<laughs> the water becomes light. Ah, I need a good cry. <clears throat> you know, in, in Mitzrayim, when Dibor goes into Gullus, the ability to speak goes into Gullus. Mitzrayim means constriction. And the place where constriction happens the most <clears throat> in Mitzrayim is in the place of the throat. The Arizal says that paro, the word paro, the eyes also very chashuv. Thank you very much. Paro, paro, the Arizal says is the osios haore, which means the back of the neck. Now, let me interrupt for a second. Normally, the brach of shahakal is only recited when you're thirsty, not when you're choking or when you're trying to clear your throat in some way, but I'm also thirsty. <laughs> so no one should make any assumptions. Paro, <clears throat> paro is the osios ha'oref, which means the back of the neck. Speech, of course, does not come from the back of the neck. If you put your hand on the back of your neck, you'll feel a little bit of vibration, but not the same thing as when you put your you put your hand on your voice box. The voice box is the place of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Zahar Kadosh. Moshe Rabbeinu is the coal. It's the voice. And even though Dibor is in Gullus, we know that there are five parts of speech that are really in the mouth. And those include from the teeth and from the lips and from the palate and from the tongue and even from the, you know, from the throat. But even deeper than all that, even though Dibor is in Gullus, the Jewish people are still able to scream out. There's a lot of screaming that's taking place. The constriction of, of speech, of not being able to speak properly, or to feel like there's a, a tightness in your throat, means that a person needs to work out some level of that bechina of Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't choke from the, you know, from the back. The back is nothing, there's nothing there, there's nothing tight there to... I mean, yeah, you could have tight and you could have... There's something to work out on the, on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, which, on the, which is on the level of Das. Moshe Rabbeinu is the throat. So we'll have to see what that, what that is. You know, and the fact, that, <clears throat> the fact that there's a relationship between a person's throat being constricted and their eyes watering. I'm not Kesher. A person chokes and their eyes start to water. These are very deep things. The Torah says, Mi basri ech From a person's flesh, they can, they can come to see God. I mean, the body is designed in such a remarkable way. I, was just, I, had, I got a phone call from a friend this week who, uh, who is a very popular Magen Shir, someone who gives Shirin, and he called me to ask me what I knew about the lungs. Because he was giving a Shir, and he wanted to know about the lungs. So I said, I don't, I don't know too much. He said, what does Rabbi Nachman mean when he talks about the five parts of the lungs? So we started looking around together. So it turns out that in the right lobe of the lungs, <clears throat> there are three different sort of branches of, uh, of whatever it is that, that spreads the oxygen through the lungs. And on the left side, there's two. It's a very deep thing. Meaning, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. We were talking about how, like, a little bit the, the heart, you know, the heart is, is the, where the warmth comes from. And the, the goal of the lungs is the lungs are there to, to cool off. The, the cool air that you bring in is to cool off the heart so that you don't, as Rabbi Nachman says explicitly, so that your heart doesn't just, like, your heart's on fire for Hashem so much. So you want to cool off the, the point of the lungs and the heart being next to each other is that the cool air comes and cools off the fire from the heart. But you don't want to extinguish the warmth of the heart. So maybe we keep the, you know, there's only th two branches in the, in the left lobe, which is by the heart, and, and three by the right. These are very deep things. Uh, the, the, the body is incredibly deep, the, the relationships between, between choking and the eyes. I'm not even here to tell you what the depth is, because I, I, don't, I don't know yet. I don't know. But I know that, <clears throat> I know that there's, there's, there's a deep connection between the body 
and an understanding of 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 our relationship to Hashem. From my flesh, I can see God. So I'm grateful to Hashem for constricting my throat. To you see, I'm living with the times here, Kipshuto in Mitzrayim, and looking forward to the redemption that's unfolding uh, over the next hour or so. While we're uh, while we're going through the different makos of uh, I had had Baruch Hashem, you know, last uh, past Moshe Shabbos I was in a hotel and we had makas dam. I put my foot down on a piece of glass. I was plugging something in and I put my knee into a piece of glass and I started I had blood dripping down my knee. So what? We'll see where Tzardeh comes, you know. <laughs> you know, what, look at that. Maybe this. Maybe the constricting throat is Tzardeh, like the croak, you know, like the. But uh, if my kids have Keenum on it when they get home, I'm going to be in big trouble. But what's the, what's the Indian? The Indian is that, for real, the Indian is that each one of us, let's, let's take this mamish real now, each one of us is, we'd like to think, I mean, we are, Kipshuto, every single one of us is a member of Am Yisrael. We're all, we're all, we're all Jewish people either by, by birth or by conversion. One way or another, we're all Jewish people. And we like to think of ourselves as, yeah, I'm a Jewish person, so of course I carry within me the DNA of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Lefachot. at the very least I carry within me the DNA of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and of course we do. Of course we do. Sarif, Gerachel, Mayatu. But then you'll start to say, and you know, I can learn lessons from Moshe and Aaron, even if I'm not a Levi, I might be from Israel. Uh, you know, from, from, could be from Yehuda, from Binyamin. But I, I carry within me certainly the lessons of Moshe Rabbeinu. We get a little bit more uncomfortable when we start to learn that, yeah, but I also have Paro inside of me. And I also have Bilam inside of me. And I also have Esav inside of me. And then I'm carrying around these archetypes of, of soul prints of these different things. If the Torah... The Torah and the Jewish people are one thing. That means inside of the Jewish people, there's lots of different things inside of the Torah. There's lots of characters inside of the Torah. And it's our job to work through those things. And as much as I was sort of joking about, you know, experiencing Makas Dam and, you know, and all these different things, every single one of us has Bechina, small or large. If you're alive in the world, that means we're fixing something. Every single one of us has inside of us the Bechina. I know as scary as it sounds, we all have a Bechina of Paro inside of us. That we're holding on to something that Hashem is saying, let it go. And we're not letting it go. We have DNA. We have, we have, we have physical DNA from our forefathers. But the truth is, converts probably don't have the DNA from, from the forefathers. They, we receive it through our inheriting the lineage of the Torah. There's an element, there's an element of the Torah which is superimposed upon the Jewish soul, which means that even the unsavory characters are somehow being manifest through the, whether you want to say it's in the soul or it's in the body, right? Maybe, maybe the aspect of me that's paro is more related to the guf. And the aspect of me which is, <coughs> which is related to, to Isa is more related to the guf. But, but there's definitely a tug of war between different forces inside of me that are being manifest in the Torah. And the Torah is not telling me about somebody a long time ago named paro. But the Torah is saying that there's something... I'm also Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a part of me that's saying, let him go. And then, and then there's a part of me that's saying, says, okay, I will, I will, I will. And then, no, I'm not going to. I can't, I can't, I can't. Right? And, and at every single second, again, I, I understand that these are, this is like a very, you know, a very big idea that's a little hard to swallow. But Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is also happening at every second, too. Like, Kriyas Yamsav is happening at every second. The whole Torah is unfolding and the whole world is unfolding every single second within the Torah. It's, it's being manifest in the myriad of details of human consciousness that, that we're experiencing at this very moment. The tug and the, the pull and the tug on both Moshe and Paro at the same time in different Bechinos, every second from one second to the next, maybe there's a, a manifestation of one greater than the other. But my goal is to be Mavara those things. So I just want to share... And because of this interesting introduction that we had for today, Rashim Shunrafal Hirsch says that by the Makos, you seem to have this thing that's found in the Torah that as much as the Torah makes a big deal about the Makos happening, 
almost as much, if not a bigger deal, is made in the Torah about the Hashem ceasing the Makos. Hashem removing the Makos. The whole Indian of Dafka by Tzardeya, you know, when do you want them to be? Tell me exactly when you want them to be gone, I'll make sure that they're gone exactly at that moment. There's something about Hashem's control, not only that He's able to unleash this chaos on Mitzrayim, but also that there's this koach, Ezwa Gibor, part of the gvur of Hashem that He's showing, is HaKovish Es Yitzro. Now for us, being Kovish Es Yitzro means being Kovish Ari Yitzhahara. For Hashem, it means the ability to control something after it's already started. This is Rabbi Shem Shrafal writes. That even greater than Hashem's ability to manifest something totally new and creative is the ability to rein in that creativity at will. There's a Torah that I once saw from the Sfas Emes. Sfas Emes, uh, there's a likut of, of, of comments from the Sfas Emes on the Siddur. Amazing, amazing. Mishnah says in, in the second parak of Pirkei Avos, third, fourth, fifth Mishnah, somewhere, somewhere in the, towards the beginning, but not the first two. In the second parak, that says, Asei Ritzoncha Kirtzona. Make your will like God's will. Which basically means that make the things that you want to do, the things that God wants you to do, more or less. So he said, you, you come to a person and you say to him, do the things that God wants you to do. And so you say, well, what are those things? So you start to learn Torah. This is Fasanas. Not the simple pshat in the, or other people don't say it like this. Make your will like his will. Meaning, you study Torah and you come to the conclusion, I want to do, I, I want to do all the mitzvah. Whatever his ritzon is, I, that's, I'm going to make that my ritzon. So I study Torah and I... Okay, now I know the mitzvahs and I start keeping the mitzvahs. But then the Mishnah does something very strange. The, Gemara, the Mishnah says, Batel You should be mavatel your will before his will. So what do we think that means? We think that that means, this is the way that a lot of people understand it, is... There's also the things that I like to do that Hashem doesn't want me to do. In other words, like the first part of the mission is about the asses that I'm like, I don't want to do, but I learned about them and now I have to go and do them. I have to get up and do them. Bekum And batel ritzon, chalifne ritzon, is like, and the things that you, that he doesn't want you to do that you are doing, you should stop doing. So the Sfasim says, no, that's not the pshat. The pshat is now that you've learned to make your ratzon like his ratzon. So what's your ratzon now? Your ratzon now is I want to put on tefillin. I want to keep Shabbos. I want to keep kashrus. I want to learn Torah. I want to, I want to <coughs> sing Zmiros with Tishbachos to Hashem. And then all of a sudden, Hashem comes and He says, now's not the time for that. Right? You know the famous Maisa with the, the two brothers, the Rebbe Reb Melech and the Rebbe Reb Zusha, that they were in exile. They exiled themselves from their community and they would wander around to helping people do tshuva. And one time... Probably more than one time, but certainly one time in this story, one time they were taken and they were thrown into a jail cell because they were loitering or something, or just because they were Jewish. I don't know whatever it was, and uh, they were thrown into a jail cell. And it was time for mincha. That was my son. It's time for mincha, and the Rebbe of Melech, the older brother of Melech, was all despondent. He was all upset, you know, because they were in this jail cell. And in the jail, right there in the jail cell, was this, this, uh, you know, this uh, equivalent of a porta potty or something, some place to go to the bathroom, you know. And the gate was locked, and it, you know there was nothing to do about it. it was like, and he said, we "Can't have mincha in front of Shulchan Aruch. You're not allowed to have mincha in front of, uh, in front of uh, bodily uh, fluids, excrement, etc." So he's sitting there, all upset, and the Rebbe Rizusha says, "You hear, you hear what you're saying?" And he grabs the Rebbe Melech's hand, and he he says, "Let's dance." And Rebbe Melech says, "Dance. We can't have mincha. The sun is setting. We can't have mincha." And he said, and the Rebbe Zusha says to Rebbe Melech, to his brother, he says, brother, don't you, don't you understand? The same God who says that you're supposed to daven mincha is the one who says you don't daven mincha when you're in a place where there's a... So let's dance that we're fulfilling that God doesn't want us to daven mincha right now because we're in a place where we can't daven mincha because there's this disgusting, foul-smelling thing over here. So Rebbe Melech's like, you're ama- it's amazing, you're right. And he gets up and he, they, they, they grab hands and they start dancing around this bucket. The two of them start dancing around the bucket. 
Now, there's two versions of the story. One version of the story is that the guard sees them dancing on the bucket, and he sees that they're dancing, they're all excited about the bucket. He says, I don't understand these Jews, but whatever it is about this bucket that's making them happy, no more. He takes the bucket out of the cell, and then they go into Abba <laughs> So that's like the more geschmack end of the story. But the truth is, I like the other end of the story, which is like, nothing happens. They just dance around the bucket. And that's it. And they don't have mincha. I don't know what the real version of the story is. One of them is the real version, one of them is not. But they're both unbelievable because if batel ritzoncha lifne ritzono means not just that you should stop doing the things that Hashem doesn't want you to do, but that the things that you learn that Hashem wants you to do, sometimes Hashem says, now's not the time to do that. You can't do that right now. You can't. For this reason or another reason. You simply can't do it. I'm sure there's plenty of Yidin right now who are out fighting, who wish that they could sit and be here learning Torah right now. To have a few minutes to just sit and to read a few psukim, to sing a song or so. And that's a mitzvah for them to do that. But Hashem is saying, no, not now, not right now. There are for sure people who are sitting shiva right now who wish they could be learning Torah. They can't. But tell ritzon chalifne ritzono means that sometimes you have a will to do something which isn't even a holy thing. And Hashem says, no, not right now. Sometimes that happens through halacha. Sometimes that happens through choking. You want to sing a song? No, not right now. And part of what the Parsha is teaching us, like what Hirsch is saying, is that somehow even greater than the ability to be creative and to do and to, is to sometimes say, Hashem says no right now, and to do it in the way that Hashem wants. But tell Ritzon Chalifnei Ritzono that his Ritzono right now is there's a simon in Shulchan Arach that says that this is not the situation to do that, even though that's what you want to be doing right now. We had the, the great fortune of, of being in the presence today of, uh, of a, a, a wildly uh, remarkable Talmud Chacham. Like, you see how it just flows from one thing to the next with no, no notes and Pasuk, Gemara's Rishonim, Achronim, next Pasuk, Gemara's Rishonim, Achronim, just... A person reaches a certain level or a certain place in their understanding of the Torah where they have a, a much more mature understanding of what the Torah wants from them, what Hashem Yisbarach wants from them. So I'll tell you, when, when I was maybe 19 or 20 years old, I just told, I shared this with somebody recently, we were walking out of the old city, I don't even remember who it was. We were walking out of the old city, I shared, I, I thought they reminded me of this. When I was maybe 19, 18, 19 years old, so I came back from yeshiva, all fafrumt. Now, Baruch Hashem, to not only live in a house of parents with parents who are Shomer Shabbos, at least when I was 18, 19 years old still. I mean, I was in college, but when I'd come back for Shabbos sometimes, Baruch Hashem, my parents are Shomer Shabbos. It's a, it's a big gift to be raised in such a home. And, um, and every Shabbos, my parents turn off the motion sensors. You know, and the... So one time, I think, in the, in the history of, you know, of that I can ever remember. They, my, someone that was in a rush, my mother or father, someone, whoever usually does it, forgot to turn off the motion sensors. Wake up in the morning, 20 years old, you know, fresh back from Eretz Yisrael, or maybe like a little bit back, I don't remember the exact timing of this, and I walk out of my room on my way to davening at one of the earlier minyanim, I think it was like the 7 o'clock minyan, I'm on my way out, and all of a sudden, Toot, the thing goes on. I'm like, oh my God, I bolted into, into my older brother's room. He was already out of the house. I bolted into my older brother's room, I think a few minutes later, my brother, my younger brother, he, he, wasn't, he didn't even go to Eretz Yisrael yet, but he was like walking in, I was like, Josh, come in here. He like ran into the room. And we ended up davening Shachris. I remember, it was actually a very sweet Shachris. You know, we davened Shachris in the room, and then like, uh, we, read, we read out of the, there was a Chumash in the room, so we read out of the Chumash, and we read the Haftorah. And I'm like, we're going to spend the whole Shabbos, we're going to be like heroes, we're going to spend the whole Shabbos in this room. So as not to violate Shabbos. So of course my father woke up, and I was like, I think we left the motion sensors on. He's like, he's like, oh, okay. He goes to shul, like a normal person. He goes to shul. And I'm like in the room, like, you know, ready to, you know, hold up. Like, I'm, I'm going to do like a, what's it called? Like a, like a I'm going to fast. I'm going like to do one of those, like hunger strikes or something. He's like, a hunger, no, I'm not going to do no, 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 meal, no, no meals, no Shabbos. I'm going to be like one of those. And he comes back from shul, he's like, I spoke to Rav in shul. He said that, like, 
it's an LED light and it's like grandma and like you can come out of the room if you want. It's like, you know. <laughs> and here I was ready to like burn down the house, you know, like. And you, you learn a little bit more and you become a little bit more sophisticated and you realize that chas v'shalom, not to, not to be lax with halacha, God forbid, chas v'shalom. But you know how to comfortably navigate and to oser ritzoncha kritzono and to know and to batel ritzoncha to be a, in this case, your ratzon is to be a big kanoi. That's not the halacha, you clown. That's not the halacha. That's not what the Torah wants from you. That's not what the Rabboni Shalom wants from you. And so a person needs to be able to rein in their own creativity sometimes because that's even sometimes even stronger. Like you, you've created this idea of like what the Torah wants from you, but there's a second step which is even deeper. It, that's what it means. That's the, the Pashup Shah with the Gemara and Beitza and in a few other places where it says, Kocha de Hatera Adif. Kocha de Hatera Adif doesn't mean like we should just be lax about Torah observance, we just give out Hatarium like out of nowhere. Kocha de Hatera Adif, like Rashi explains and like the Rishonim explain, means that you know so much that you know how to be Matir in a case when it's appropriate to be matir, something. There's a marsha. There's a marsha that, uh, I don't know this, if this is because Rav Shechter was here or because I choked and everything started unusual, but okay, this is what it is today. There's a marsha that, by that I mean, it's, it's normally a little bit more chassidish tyrus here. This is like, the Marsha has a comment in Maseches Chulun, if I'm not mistaken. It's based on the Gemara Brachos. Also, he has a comment in both places, in both Brachos and in Chulun. I just don't remember which one's which, offhand. Um, where the Gemara there says that Ashrech Vitovlach, Gadol is a person, greater is a person who's able to eat from the work of his own hands, what's a pasuk? God was a person who's able to tochal ashrecha. Greater was a person who's able to, to eat from his own hands, from his own handiwork, than a person who was yirashamayim. So the Gemara says, well, what exactly is that? Greater is a person who's able to eat from his own hard work, than a person even who was yirashamayim. So the Marsha explains this Gemara as follows. Follow up if you're interested in where the marshal is. I'm sure I have it somewhere. I just Malcolm is is not with me at this exact moment. He says that a person comes to a situation where they're not sure. They have a, a, a doubt as to whether they can proceed with a certain behavior or a certain you know a certain activity or to eat a certain food or whatever it is. A person has a doubt about whether a particular thing is permissible. So the person who is Yerushalayim will simply abstain. And then he has the schar of Yerushalayim. Great. But greater than that, Ashrecha Tochal, greater than that is the person, praiseworthy, fortunate is the person who is able to, through hard work and studying inside and knowing exactly what the halacha demands in a particular situation, who is able to enjoy and to eat of that food that he wasn't sure, he was in doubt about whether or not it was kosher. And because he knew the sugya well, he gets the or he didn't know the sugya well, but he took out a safer and he figured out what the answer is, or he called up a Rebbe and he asked, and he worked through the, through the shayla and he worked through the, through the halacha. Ashrecha is the person who's tochal, who's able to eat, because he has the schar A of Yerashamayim and also being able to enjoy the thing, and also tell the Torah together. Meaning he had the Yerashamayim to pause and to stop, and to be mavatel his ratzon, in this case, to be machmir and just... And instead, he went through the hard work of being able to come to the conclusion that there's something here which is permissible, which I would have just abstained from, but here I get the schar of Talmud Torah, and I also saw that actually this, so, this is more permissible. One of the reasons why I love my Rebbe so much, Rav Baruch Simon, is because he has such a strong... Now, don't get me wrong, we, we're not allowed to sell chametz on Pesach at all, he doesn't let us. We don't sell chametz gummer on Pesach, so I can't keep like alcohol and from. Not that we're such big drinkers, but like, you know what's a big deal? Starter dough. 
my wife, she likes to create like a, you know, like a sourdough starter dough. We have to get rid of it every year because Chomets Gomer, or Simon, we're not allowed to sell it. He's my post that's why I asked it. But he's such a strong koch that teira. Because he knows so much that he knows when it's appropriate to be mekel. <coughs> I've never felt like he was being unnecessarily machmir. And therefore, when the, when the din is, this isn't kosher, or this shouldn't be done, or whatever, I have no... I don't feel any... It's darche, darche noam. The Torah is so beautiful because... Because he knows how to navigate and when, when the halachas machmir and when the halachas mekel. Ashrecha tocha. That person is so fortunate when they know how to eat. They know when they're permitted to eat. Because they did the hard work of, of going through it. I'll tell you one more story. And then we'll sing it again. I heard this story from Rabbi Yoshua Hartman. Many years ago. He said that he was once at a wedding with Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. He was close with Rabbi Moshe Feinstein at a certain point, I think. And for those who are not familiar with him, Rabbi Shul Hartman is the, is, the Mahara, is the expert of the Maharal of our generation. I mean, probably of, of many generations. He's the one who, if you've ever seen like the, the annotated Maharals, the blue Maharals with the big footnotes, where there's more footnotes than there's text of the Maharal, he's the, he's the one who wrote all them. So he said that he was once at a wedding and... They were at the chassan's tish, everyone was, uh, you know, dancing at the chassan's tish. And all of a sudden, by the chassan's tish, the mother comes in, and they do, they break the plate. And the mother goes over to the Masada Kedushan, to Moshe Feinstein, and says, um, I need to speak with you in the, in the next room over in private for a minute. Says, sure, no problem. Great. So the, the, he gets up, and they go into another room, and... All of a sudden, they go, they go into this room, and the woman starts crying hysterically. Crying hysterically. And she says, Rebbe, I never told anybody this before, but I need to tell you it's impossible. I know that you're here to be Masara Kedushin because you're here to marry off one of your Choshev Talmidim to my daughter, but my daughter is illegitimate. I happen to have inside information, come on, that I, w- I conceived my daughter from someone who's not my husband. And my daughter's illegitimate. I can't go through with the marriage. You have to, she can't do it. It's, it's forbidden. So Rav Moshe Feinstein looked at this mother, crying, hysterical crying. And he said, my dear woman, he said, your aid, this is puzzle. I, I don't have to believe you and I choose not to believe you because the Torah says I don't have to believe you. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to perform the wedding. And he turned around and he went. And not only did he perform the wedding, but he stayed longer than usual. And he said, there's a halach. The halach is, I don't have to believe a single witness, especially a, a, a woman who's no with davar, for a number of reasons in this particular circumstance. And even though everything in my emotion is telling me that you're telling the truth, perhaps, but in terms of edus, I don't believe you. I simply don't believe you. The Torah doesn't believe you. Hashem doesn't believe you. And I don't believe you. Historical fact, not historical fact. I have no reason to believe you. And calmly, because he was confident in the Torah and because he understood, but tell her his Ratzon might have been, oh my gosh, Shanda. And who knows what's going to happen. And every fiber in his being may have wanted to call off the wedding, but he said, but that's not what Hashem wants right now because that's not the halacha. And I know the halacha. And I'm going to be confident in the halacha. And the halacha is, I'm going to go perform this wedding right now. That's the story that Yeshua Hartman told me from Moshe Feinstein. So a person has to know Number one, when Hashem says, take it easy, it's, now is not the time to be performing this mitzvah that you think is a big mitzvah. A, because either you're an Am artist and you don't know what you're talking about, you're being machmer for no reason. And that's why it's important to have rebellion, not just to tell you chumras, but also to tell you when you're being uh, immature in your understanding of what the Torah wants from you. And also, like we said in the beginning, that sometimes a person, because of sickness or because of uh, extenuating circumstances, being locked in a jail cell with, uh, you know, with uh, human waste, uh, etc., or, or, or more pressing, you know, being in a battlefield or something like that. So you can't perform the mitzvahs in that way, and you might want to, but you have to, you have to be big enough to know when Hashem is telling you, no, not at this moment. At this moment, you need to stop singing for a minute. At this moment, you need to stop doing that mitzvah. And it takes a big person to know, you know like that's like the most counterintuitive message you could ever have imagined you would hear <laughs> here today at this. Uh, it's like sometimes you're not supposed to do it. 
And if you're not sure, if you're being overly strict, so then you need to make sure that you have somebody who has a mature understanding of Torah to tell you it's time to let go of this for a minute. And then you return to it in the proper time, in the proper way. But your insistence on doing it this way in that time is maybe more coming from the place of power than it's coming from the place of Moshe Rabbeinu. You have to know. You have to know. that talks about notices at the psukim seem to change the order of when talking about the two people who are coming to redeem the Jewish people or speaking to Paro sometimes it'll say Moshe Aaron, and sometimes it'll say Aaron or Moshe sometimes it'll, it'll refer to Aaron and Moshe in the order of mentioning Aaron first and then Moshe which is of course the order of their birth, and sometimes it refers to them as Moshe and Aaron. And Rashi points out that the reason why the Torah does that is to tell you that they're both Shaveh, that Moshe and Aaron are, are equals, 
even the Moshe is the Redeemer, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu is the Av of all the, of all the Nevi'im, he's the Av of Nevi'im, like the Ramam says, that that's the, the Iker Shem Moshe Rabbeinu, is Al Shem Rabbeinu B'Nevuas. Right? The Ramam writes explicitly that every person in Hilchus Tshuva, the Ramam writes, in Hilchus Avodah and in Hilchus Malachim, the Ramam writes that Moshe Rabbeinu is the Av Nevi'im. In Hilchus Tshuva, the Ramam writes that every Jew could be as great a tzaddik as Moshe Rabbeinu. That's not... So Moshe Rabbeinu has his Maila, that he's the Av Nevi'im, and Aaron is just the Maturgaman, he's the one who's just doing the translation. And Aaron has his Maila, that makes him greater than Moshe. So I just, we were talking about this before. Libi Omer, there's many different ways to speak about this. But there are many different ways to, to think about this. One, one way to think about this is what we were just speaking about before, at least as a hemshech of what we were saying before, is that the job of Moshe Rabbeinu, because this is the, this is the other side, this is the other side, which is chashuv. I once, many years ago, heard a shir from Shalom Rosner about about chumras and kulas, chumras and kulas. And one of the things that a person should think about when, when we're thinking about these terms of, of chumras and kulas, which is what we've been speaking about a little bit, is that it's okay for a person to be machmer on himself, sometimes. I think it doesn't infringe upon anybody else. Bona gilas returned to my 20-year-old self. If I would have been in a house by myself and I wanted to say, that even a grumma and an LED light I don't want to do, but his parents, you know, there's, there's, there's a mother who toiled over Shabbos meals. There's, there's different cheshbonos. There's, there's, there's shasad chak. There's different things. There's the fact that I skipped out on davening with a minion. I missed laning. And in addition to that, I would have been over on, on fasting on Shabbos or, you know, or, Causing Adma Snefesh to myself and Onik Shabbos, a bit of Onik Shabbos. There's, there's many different Cheshbonos. Many different Cheshbonos. As I'm older now and I have a, more of a sense of, of Halacha, so a person's going to be machmer on themselves, that's, that's Beseder. One of the beautiful things about Kocha de Hatera is that even if a person wants to be machmer on themselves, maybe the level of Moshe Rabbeinu is the level of a certain stricture, a certain adherence to the details of Torah, Aaron Cohen, who is the master of Torah Shabbat Peh, is not surprisingly both the master of Torah Shabbat Peh and also the master of Rodev Shalom, Oiv Shalom, the one who's Sanagoria of the Jewish people, is always looking out for the Jewish people, is with them through thick and thin in a way that, uh, that is able to calm those who feel distant from Hashem. Like the Medrash says that Arna Cohen would, would approach people who he saw who were sinners and he would befriend them and they'd say, how could I, how could I act like this? If Aaron is my friend, I, don't, I can't. Uh, that was his approach. But Arna Cohen used the kocha de hatera in order to draw people near, much as Moshe Rabbeinu used the koach of small dochek to train us that there's a tochecha, that there's a, a necessary component. The two of them are together. And here the Torah is telling us that Moshe and Aaron are equals with each other. That there are two ways. There are definitely there are two ways. There's a time and there's a place for Moshe Rabbeinu being before Aaron. There's a time for Tochacha, for oneself, or even for other people sometimes, depending, again, everything is all dependent. It's okay to be paradoxical and to say opposite things within the span of an hour. Because it depends when. Because it depends when. Now I'm not joking. So I can say it differently. This depends when. Uh, to, to know when to apply one thing, when to apply another thing is everything. I mentioned this uh, already at some point earlier this year, that the reason why there's a, a piyot on Motzei Shabbos, we say Altira Avdi Yaakov, is that Yaakov Avinu is the one who is a combination of Chesed of Avram and the Gvura of Yitzchak, and that's a scary thing because you need to know when to use one and when to use the other. Avram always knows which button to press; he's always pressing the Chesed button, and, and 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 Yitzchak knows which button to press. He always presses the Gvura button, and there's nothing to talk about. Yaakov needs to be told Altira Avdi Yaakov, don't be afraid because. You never know. She'd be pressing this one, she'd be pressing this one. You have to work it out. Sometimes Moshe comes before Aaron. Sometimes Aaron comes before Moshe. 
person has to know when to be machmer, when to be mekil, when to draw people close and when to drop and push people away. There's no way to do that other than to, to steep oneself. And I'll, again, I could say that I'm, I'm better at it now than I was 10 years ago. Am I there yet? I'm not there yet. We have to, like Shachter said today, we have to learn all the Gemars, we have to learn all the Midrashim, we have to learn all the Sfarim, we have to learn everything so that we can know when to pull and when to push, when to, when to draw near and when to push away. I'll just share with you one thing before we, uh, we, have, to, we have to end. There's a letter from Rav Cook. It's part of the it's part of the Igris it's part of the um, Igris Kodesh, part of the uh, the Igris Raya, but it's also there's a small keta in um, in Oris Hakodesh, where Rav Kook has this idea. The piece in Oris Hakodesh is called Ayin Hel Yona, and in Ayin Hel Yona he says a, an amazing thing, which is a, a practical halacha, practical halacha. Generally speaking, there's a there's a mitzvah There's a mitzvah to go and chase down evil from within your midst. That's the the mandate to bring sinners to justice, even Jewish ones, to carry out the death penalty and to, to give lashes and to all the you know not so geshmaka things that are. There's a mitzvah of you can't just you can't just gloss over it and be like, yeah, it's not a big deal. There's a mitzvah to remove evil from your midst. And not to gloss over and to be, you know, dan schus when it comes to in the same way that if two would see going back to the Ramosha story, if two witnesses, two male witnesses would have come in, they'd be like, I never told anybody this, but we were there at the con- you know, which is a difficult thing to find at the conception. But we saw that she was at least Lefachot, she was Asr to her husband, whatever. So then, okay, there's there's Dinam. So, Rav Kook says that this mitzvah of, of, of making sure that you're not having mercy on the Russia and that you're careful to be and all these psukim that talk about not glossing over Averos. Rav Kook says, Halacha that those halachos only apply in a Beisdim. Inside of a basin, when there's something practical you could do about it, when there's something practical you could do about it, so then we have to know that you can't be you can't be down the cups close when there's two edim and. But if there's nothing practical to do about it, because either we don't have the basin, or because we don't have the two witnesses, or because, then the halacha is that you have to try to be down the cups close. And as soon as you know that in a certain circumstance, if I was in a basin, if it was a circumstance like this or that, then I would have to really do something about this. Then that anchors you in a year of Shemayim that we're not scared that by being down the cups of this person, that's going to mean that I'm going to start acting in a way that's beneath what I know is the proper madriga to. And I can draw that person in, draw them close. Every situation has to be judged with the sum total of all the Torah knowledge that you have at your fingertips, and if you don't have enough, to speak with somebody who has more. Aaron and Moshe, the reason why Aaron and Moshe are able to be equals with each other is because they're in constant communication with each other. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the, is the, the Indian of Torah Shabbat Sav, and Aaron Akoin is the Indian of Torah Shabbat Peh. It's Dafka like that. And Moshe Rabbeinu is a little bit stricter because the Torah Shabbat Sav is a little bit stricter. It's Ayin Tachazayin in the Torah Shabbat Sav. Ayin Tachasayin. Comes on the Torah Shabbat comes on Arna Kohen and says, eh, not exactly. It's not Ayin Tachasayin, it's Kesef. It's not Ayin Tachasayin. I'll end with this, or, you know, we were talking to Rav Kook before, somebody once came to Rav Kook. Someone once came to Rav Kook and they said, what's the Pshat? The Torah says Ayin Tachasayin, and how could the Torah say Kesef Tachasayin? It's Kesef. It's not, it's not, not eye for an eye. The Gemara and Perkachova, some of you are starting to learn that. We're still, we're not there yet, but some of you started to learn that there's a two and a half pages, you know, trying to figure out the drasha. So Rav Kook said, very simple. He said, the re- and if it really meant Kesef, so right, Kesef. So Rav Kook said something so beautiful. He said, you know, 
the relationship between the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat Peh, the relationship between Moshe and Aaron, Bonagid, is like the relationship Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Peh is like a father and a mother. A father, the, the, the quintessential, the archetypical father, comes into a room and he sees the kid is uh, coloring on the wall or something. I don't know. And the father is ready to give it to him and he starts yelling at the kid and he kick you out of the house and send you for training, you know, send you to the army to learn, learn a little respect and you're going to have to pay for it, and, you know. And the mother comes in and she says, calm down, sweetie, it's, it's okay, you know. And she says to the kid, like, no, 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 no book tonight before before bed. And it's like whoosh, it goes down like, you know, he's gonna get kicked out of the house and have to like pay to repaint the whole wall. The kid's like six years old, like, I don't have any money, you know. And the mother's like, uh, no story before bed tonight. So if Cook said, do you think it would be good if there wasn't a father in that scenario or there wasn't a mother in that scenario? If there was no father in that scenario, well, let's do the mother first. If there was no mother in the scenario, the father might really give the kid a zetz and make him pay for the wall, even though he's six years old, like he's a kid, he's, you know? You need the Rachmanos that comes from the Dam Kav's Chus, of like the mother who understands, like the kid doesn't understand, you know? You know? And anyway, we left the crayons at a bad spot, that, you know? So that's Arna Cohen. That's the mother. The mother comes in and says, eh, so then the father would have done that. It would have been a disaster. And, and, says, and, and, and so, so why does the Torah write Ayin Tachasayin if it means Kesef Tachasayin? Because it would be equally bad if the mother would just come in and the kid would be writing on the wall and the mother would be like, no book tonight. The kid needs to know, really what you deserve is you deserve to have to repaint the wall. Or not. Really, if you knock out someone's eye, you should have to have your eye knocked out. And the, the fact that the father comes and shakes up the kid a little bit, the fact that the, the Torah Shabbat comes in and says, you can get your eye knocked out. And the Torah Shabbat comes along and says, hey, you're going to pay some money. But, but the Torah Shabbat is saying, yeah, but really, you should get your eye knocked out. So maybe you're not going to knock out somebody's eye because you know that really, you should get your eye knocked out. Meaning that little bit of yira, that little bit of chumrah, of... of, of the extra, the extra feeling of like, that I, I got to do what Hashem wants, which I really have to be very careful with it. But tell Ritzonchah if also comes on the Torah of and says, not so fast. Moshe and Aaron, they work together. There's a Torah Shav, which is sometimes very harsh. There's a Torah Shav, which is more lenient. Torah says 40 makos. Torah Shav says 39 makos. It's nice to know how to put together the Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat. That's Yeah.
Jabeur. 